We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Well, I want us to go to the book of Nehemiah chapter number two this evening, Nehemiah chapter number two, and uh, we'll begin reading here in verse number 11, uh, Nehemiah chapter number two and uh, verse number 11. The word of God, of course, records for us the wonderful things that God used Nehemiah to do. Nehemiah, if you'll remember, was a captive. He was born in captivity and uh, serving in the court of the Persian king. Uh, some years before the events that unfold in the book of Nehemiah, the king of Persia had allowed some of the captives to return from captivity, if you will remember, they were carried away by the Babylonians, and they were allowed to return from captivity. And uh, when they came back to Jerusalem, uh, of course, they began to rebuild the city. They built their homes and then eventually uh, their lives, and then, of course, the temple of the Lord. This was the subject of Haggai's prophecy that we referred to this morning, uh, just in passing. But they built the temple, the house of the Lord. They did not build the walls of the city. And so Jerusalem uh, was not fortified. And Jerusalem was in a really, really difficult position. Uh, though there was uh, the house of God was constructed Jerusalem really was a, a city filled with idolatry. That piece of ground, by the way, has been fought over for thousands of years, and it will continue to be fought over until one day the Lord Jesus comes and reigns from the city of Jerusalem, the city of David. And so we know that there was a struggle for the land and because of the struggle of the land, the enemies, of course, occupying much of the city, there was a need to build the walls. And so God touched the heart of a man named Nehemiah, a man who perhaps had never traveled to Jerusalem, but who had it in his heart because he was a Jew and he had the love of God in his heart and a desire to see God's work advance. And when he found out the walls of the city were broken down, uh, he began to pray and God began to work. And in the circumstances of his life, uh, God touched the heart of the king and allowed Nehemiah the opportunity to return uh, to Jerusalem. And he came there with this goal in mind to build the walls of the city. Now, historians tell us that some 13 years prior to that, uh, there was an attempt by the Jews to rebuild the walls, but the work was not complete. It wasn't finished. And over the period of the 13 years, 
the conditions only worsened. But now Nehemiah has come. And we pick up in verse number 11, Nehemiah chapter number 2. The Bible says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days, and I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well into the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. So we begin to get a picture of what Nehemiah saw. And essentially what he saw uh, were the ruins of the walls of the city. In verse 14, he said, Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers, speaking of the rulers of the Jews, the rulers knew not whither I went nor or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build, but ye have no portion nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. I call your attention to verse number 18. In the very closing sentence of the 18th verse, the Bible said, So they strengthened their hands for this good work. I want to speak to you on that subject this evening. They strengthened their hands for this good work. They were engaged in a good work. The good work involved building the walls of the city so that they could provide for the security of the inhabitants of the city. The walls were important because they were barriers to the enemy. And the walls were important because they were boundaries to the citizen. The walls were there for protection. And they were there to secure the city so that the work of God could go forward, so that God could be worshipped and magnified as God intended for it to be. And so they were engaged in a good work. I want to say this tonight, that the Tabernacle Baptist Church is engaged in a good work. It is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the work of the gospel. 
And there is no greater work that we could engage in than the work that God has allowed us to partner in together. It is a privilege to be engaged in God's good work. And for 82 years, our church, Tabernacle Baptist Church, has been engaged in the good work. And the story of the Tabernacle Baptist Church has, uh, has, be, uh, has been written or has begun to be written because it's not complete, by the way. The story uh, has begun to be written. It started in 1941 with the formation of our church. The tent meeting, as I mentioned, happened in 1940. People were saved. People continued meeting and a church was formed in the first Sunday of May in 1941. And for the past 82 years, the story of the Tabernacle Baptist Church has been written. It is recorded all that God has done up to this point. And it is an amazing story. I want you to know that this story continues. Not only will it contain, of course, what God has done, but it will also contain what God is doing. And I want you to know God is doing some amazing things in our church. And we praise him for it. But not only will it contain what God has done and what God is doing, but I want to say this to you, it will contain what God will do. And that's the part that we can't see. In fact, oftentimes we miss what he's doing now. We're just not aware of it until later. But I want you to think about all the things that God has done and all the things that God will do in the future. And I hope you're encouraged by thinking about that because I want you to know tonight we're engaged in a good work. It's a good work. It's a good story to be a part of, isn't it? And we get to be a part of that. Now, all the churches and all the ages, they'll have a story. But there's only one tabernacle story. And I pray that our story is that we were faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and we saw God do great and mighty things. That we were faithful to the Scripture, that we preached the Word of God and stood true to our convictions, that souls were saved, that Christ was magnified in this place, that lives were transformed. That's my prayer for this good work. And as God began to touch the hearts of the men of the city of Jerusalem concerning the good work that they were engaging in, the Bible says in verse 18 that they strengthened their hands. Our hands get weary. Uh, their hands speaking, not, not just of their literal hands, but speaking of their, their own, their bodies and, and their spirit and their soul. Uh, they strengthened themselves to do the work that God had called them to do. And this evening, I want us to take just a few moments and discover why it was necessary for them to strengthen their hands. And I believe it will help us as a church to review that and understand why it is necessary for us as we go forward with the unwritten pages of the story that God is writing in the Tabernacle Baptist Church, as we go forward uh, with the unknown concerning the good work that God will do, as we go forward, may God help us to strengthen our hands. Now, I want to give you some reasons that they needed to strengthen their hands. First of all, if you will note with me uh, in verse number 17, 
The Bible said, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how that Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. This was the city of God. This is the place where God's name was magnified. The temple was in the city of Jerusalem, and people would come to the temple and worship God. But now it had become a center of idolatry because all of the pagan people that had infiltrated Jerusalem had introduced idol worship. The city had become a reproach. That beautiful city, that glorious city that bore the name of God, now was a city that lies, or was lying rather, in waste, as he said. The gates, those beautiful gates that uh, allowed those who could come into the city of Jerusalem and gave them access, those beautiful gates were burned with fire. And the city was a reproach. You see, their task was difficult. There were miles of walls that would surround that city. And the landscape, the terrain was very difficult. We noted that Nehemiah said that there was no place uh, for the animal that he rode upon to, to pass through uh, certain parts of the wall, certain parts of the city. And so we can see just a, a, a jumbled mess of debris. In fact, the Bible tells us in, in the fourth chapter that the strength of the bearers of the burdens were decayed, their strength was decayed, and their souls were cast down because of the, the debris, the difficulty of the task. They said to Nehemiah, there is much rubbish in this place. In other words, they couldn't make progress. They didn't feel like they were making progress because everywhere they looked and everywhere they turned, there was one mess after another. By the way, the world is a messy place, isn't it? And our lives get messy. And so we find here that in the midst of this mess and in the midst of this monumental task, they strengthened their hands, number one, because their task was difficult. Their task was difficult. They were given no easy task to clear the debris, to rebuild the walls of the city and accomplish something that 13 years previous had been attempted, but the people had given up. And no doubt, over the, over the next 13 years, the attitudes concerning uh, the construction of those walls be, began to grow quite negative. We've tried that, and it can't be done. It's just too great a task. It won't be done. But nevertheless, it was done. And in 52 days, the wall was completed. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? What God did. And how did it happen? It happened because everyone did their part. That's how it was accomplished. You see, uh, we like to organize and strategize, and I believe that we should. But let me just tell you, there is no organizer or strategizer as effective as the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit dwells within his people. And when all of us do our part, when all of us take up the responsibility that God has assigned to us in this local New Testament church, we will see difficult things accomplished. 
we'll see God do great and mighty things. So number one, I want you to know that their task was difficult. Secondly, I want you to see that their opportunity was great. Their opportunity was great. We know the condition of the city was was very tenuous. We know uh, that uh, the work seemed as if it could not be accomplished. The mess was 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 so vast, but yet the opportunity was so great. The people had begun uh, to return to Jerusalem. The seventy years of captivity had ended. A life had as it was once known, was beginning to to flourish once again in that city. The temple of God had been reconstructed. They had everything in place to do what God had given them to do. They simply needed to build the walls. They had a great opportunity, a great opportunity to magnify the name of Jesus, the name of their God a great opportunity to ensure that the children of Jerusalem were taught the truth, that they were protected within the walls of the city. They had a a great opportunity. And by the way, it's interesting to note how God worked in the circumstances to provide this opportunity. The Lord had already told uh, his prophets that the captivity would last 70 years and that there would arise a king who would allow the people to return, the king of Persia, and thus he did. He allowed the people to return, and God was beginning again to reestablish the life of his people in the place that he had designated, the place he had called them to. They had a great opportunity. And Nehemiah was serving in the court of the king. That's not by accident. God placed him there. And God prepared him there. And then as God would have it, he sent some of Nehemiah's Jewish brethren into the palace for some business. It's really inconsequential what their business was. Nevertheless, we know that God brought them there and allowed them to cross paths with Nehemiah. And Nehemiah asked, how was the city of Jerusalem? And when they gave the report of the condition of the city, Nehemiah was affected in his heart. The Bible says in chapter 1 that he sat down and he wept and he mourned and he fasted and he began to pray immediately that God would would work in the circumstances, that God uh, would allow the people to once again make Jerusalem the place where God's name would be proclaimed. He began to pray that God would allow him to be involved in the work although he couldn't see a way that it would be possible because he was serving the king. He didn't have the freedom to just come and go as he chose. But after praying for a period of months, God gave him the opportunity to talk to the king. In fact, God provoked the king to ask Nehemiah, what's wrong? And Nehemiah began to tell him about the city of Jerusalem and began to pour out his heart to the king. And the king said, what is it that you want to do? And Nehemiah said, I'd like to go back and lead my people to rebuild the walls. And the king granted him that opportunity. And the king gave Nehemiah an escort to get him safely there. And he gave him provisions 
for the construction of the walls. And when Nehemiah came into the city, you can imagine this royal escort that's with him. And perhaps you can see the semis and, and the tractor trailers that were filled. I know they didn't have them back then, but I'm just trying to help you relate it to our current day. That were filled with building materials. The, 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 the uh, Lowe's Hardware and the uh, uh, Home Depot and uh, 84 Lumber and the Window Company. And if I missed yours, I'm sorry. The backhoes and the bulldozers and all the things that would be necessary for the construction. When they saw all that pull up, they began to think, what an opportunity. I want to say this to you, that God has given us a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, isn't it? Through all of this COVID shutdown and all of the things that are transpiring in our nation as it has turned its back against God, let me just tell you that God is continuing to supply and provide for his people and get glory. And God has advanced the work of his church through all of this, through all of this political climate today, all this upheaval uh, in our nation, the uncertainty of it, the turning away from the Lord. Let me just say to you that God is using all of it to further the, the work of his church. God has given us wonderful opportunities. What a blessing it is to have the opportunity that he has given us. This church has moved. Uh, we're on our third different property in the past 80-some years. That's not too bad. Most of us have moved more than that in our lifetime, right? But it's a big deal when a church moves. I'm glad we didn't have to move to get the space that we needed. It was already there, right next to us, right? And uh, former pastors had prayed and church members had prayed that God would allow us to possess this piece of ground. And uh, the Lord said, I'm going to let this church be involved in how that place is designed. You don't know that story? Ask David Dean about it sometime. And I'm going to supply a parking lot with over 200 parking spaces and 54,000 square feet of building. It's right there for you. And at the right time, I'm going to let it go on sale. And then I'm going to lead you and provide all that's needed. You see, their opportunity was great. And it's not just about building a building. I want you to see beyond that. It's not just about building the walls. It's what transpires within the walls of the city, and it is what will transpire within the walls of a building where the Word of God is proclaimed. Where, where lives are changed and transformed. As I said, the unwritten story of the future of the Tabernacle Baptist Church. So their opportunity was great. Let me give you a third reason that they strengthened their hands. We read of it in verse number 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. I want you to see, first of all, that they were stirred. By the way, 
they strengthened their hands because their hearts were stirred. That's number three. Their hearts were stirred. Their hearts were stirred. And two things, I believe, stirred them. Number one, they were stirred by what they heard. Nehemiah came into town. They're wondering, well, who is this guy? What are all those truckloads of things doing out there? Why, why is there a, an escort from the king here? What is going on? Who is this guy? Well, did you hear about what he did last night? No, I didn't. Tell me about it. He walked up and down the, 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 the uh, outskirts of the city, and he viewed the city walls. Hmm. wonder what he's doing. Maybe there was some fear in their hearts. But then finally, when they get with Nehemiah, the Bible says in verse 18 that he began to speak to them and told them of the hand of his God, which was good upon me. He began to tell the story of, of, of the time when he was in the palace and he heard the report and then he began to pray. And then after praying, God touched the heart of the king and sent him there and provided all these things for the construction of the walls. Don't you know that that encouraged them? They heard what God was doing. He told them of the hand of his God that was good upon him, and it stirred their hearts. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We need to hear what God is doing and what God wants done. And the more we hear it, the more God will touch our hearts. I believe something else stirred them, not only by what they heard, but by what they saw. I mentioned it a moment ago. Nehemiah comes with this, this group of people, this escort from the king, guaranteeing his security, and then the provisions uh, from uh, the king's forest and all that would be needed for the construction of the walls. And when they saw that, the Bible said, mine eye affecteth my heart. When they begin to see what God was doing, not just simply hearing, but they begin to see it, that, that experience began to stir them in their heart. Isn't it stirring to see God at work? Isn't it stirring to see children bring an offering for a building? A building that many of them will occupy in the future when we are in heaven, in a far greater building? building that future generations will occupy as long as the Lord, until the Lord comes, rather. It's stirring to see souls saved, isn't it? It's stirring to see uh, the baptisms taking place. It, it's stirring to hear the reports of lives that are being transformed. It's stirring to serve God. It's stirring to hear a group sing, take your burdens to the Lord and, and leave them there. It's stirring to see people who have learned that firsthand. Their hearts were stirred. And because their hearts were stirred, they strengthened their hands. Let me give you a fourth thing. A fourth reason that they strengthened their hands for this good work. Because their adversaries were present. Their adversaries were present. Look, if you would, in verse 19. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, 
they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Here's something that you can count on. When God's people gather and rejoice in him and strengthen one another and resolve to do God's work, the enemy will always be really nearby. And what does he do? He begins to work against God's people. He begins to resist the work of God. That's what the enemy always does. And as we read through the book of Nehemiah, we don't have time to do that this evening, but as we read through the book of Nehemiah, we find out that what began as ridicule and contempt and hatred became increasingly more hostile even to the threat of violence, to the work of deception, and a stirring to cause division among God's people. And here's one thing that we can count on as a church. As we seek to do the will of God, as we seek to move forward, as we seek to advance the name of Jesus Christ, the enemy will always be at work. And he is very subtle, very subtle. And so may God help us to be on guard. May God help us to be watchful. May God help us to take upon ourselves the whole armor that the Lord Jesus Christ has provided us. Paul said this, he said, A great door and effectual is open unto me. But there are many adversaries. Many adversaries. I want you to know that Satan has his crowd that is hostile toward the work of God. They don't want the gospel preached. They don't want children to be taught the truth of God's word. They don't want to see souls saved and baptized. They don't like it when we have discipleship groups and Sunday school. They are hostile. They are going to resist the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so because of that, we need to be aware of that. And therefore, we need to strengthen our hands because the adversaries were present. Well, let me give you a fifth one. They strengthened their hands, number one, because their task was difficult. They strengthened their hands, number two, because their opportunity was great. They strengthened their hands, thirdly, because their hearts were stirred. And fourthly, because their adversaries were present. But I want you to note this last one in, in verse number 20. They strengthened their hands because their God was powerful. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Good. The Bible says in verse 20, Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Now here's, here's uh, Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem. Here they are. They're standing off to the side and they're listening and they're saying, What, what, are, what are these Jews happy about? Why, why are they... Why are they gathered around this guy? By the way, they were probably wondering, no doubt, who, who he was as well, Nehemiah. And then they hear about a prayer meeting, and they think, well, that's strange. We don't want to hear about any kind of prayer meeting to Jehovah God, so let's go down there and find out what's going on. And they see what's happening. They hear the words of Nehemiah. They see the people rallying and strengthening their hands for this good work. And they began to be filled with hatred and contempt. And they began immediately to conspire and work to overthrow this effort. 
I want you to know that Satan's chief tactic is intimidation. Intimidation. Deception. Division. And so they're beginning to work, and, 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 and the enemy is trying to intimidate them and stop them in their tracks. But notice how Nehemiah responds. He doesn't say, why are you bothering us? Why are you resisting us? Why aren't you happy? He didn't ask, well, what can we do to make you happy? What can we change to make you comfortable with our decision? No, he was willing to bear the reproach. And this is how he answered in verse 20. Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. There's somebody here that you're not aware of, Sanballat. There's somebody here that you're not aware of, Tobiah or Geshem. It is the God of heaven. He is in control. He is the one who has sent us. He is the one who has called us. He is the one who has directed us. He is the one who will provide all that is needed. And he is the one who will accomplish the work in us and through us. We do not labor in our own strength. We go in the strength of God. And we've learned that unless we abide in him, we can do nothing. But if we're filled with the Spirit of God, we'll see God do great and mighty things through us. There, God was powerful. And I want you to know tonight that our God is powerful. He's able. He's able. I know he is able. I know my God is able to carry us through. You see, their God was powerful. Our God, the same God, is powerful. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Maybe there's some challenges in your life personally. I want to encourage you, strengthen your hands for this good work. Parents, strengthen your hands for the good work of raising your children. Husbands and wives, strengthen your hands for the good work. Let's serve the Lord together. Young people, strengthen your hands for the good work. Children, strengthen your hands for this good work. Well, in closing, let me just share with you some practical thoughts of how they did it. How did they strengthen their hands? I'll give you some references and you can write them down. But I think, first of all, they strengthened their hands in prayer. And I think tonight that if we're going to strengthen our hands, it must be done without doubt in prayer. In Nehemiah 4, 9, as the, as the opposition of the enemy began to intensify, in Nehemiah 4, 9, the Word of God says this, Nevertheless, in the face of that opposition, nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. What gave them strength? They just kept praying. Secondly, we can strengthen our hands in God's Word. We have to feed our souls with the bread of life. The Word of God. The Bible says, the psalmist said, I have esteemed thy word more than my necessary food. If we want to be strong, if we want to strengthen our hands for the good word, the good work, then we have to strengthen our hands in God's Word. Thirdly, 
we can strengthen our hands in fellowship. We can strengthen our hands in fellowship. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. I can see those, those Jewish men as they looked into one another's faces, as they heard the testimony of Nehemiah, as they saw the passion and conviction that was in his heart, as they saw their brethren begin to light up and embrace the vision, I believe it strengthened them. They were encouraged by the fellowship of God's people. That's why we need one another. That's why we have a church. We do this work together. We encourage one another. So strengthen your hands in God's fellowship, the fellowship of God's people. Sometimes we, we just simply get worn down and discouraged or some hardship comes to us, some difficulty, and, and we seek to withdraw. I want you to know there's never, that's never a good time to withdraw from God's uh, fellowship of, of the believers. That's the best time to participate. That's the time when you need it most. I think a fourth way they strengthened their hands was in the confession of sin. In the confession of sin. In Nehemiah chapter 5, uh, Nehemiah learns that there's one group of people who had wealth and they were abusing the people who had no wealth. They were charging them usury. They, they were levying charges upon them that they were not able to bear. They were really taking advantage of the situation so that they could profit. And when that news was brought to Nehemiah, Nehemiah confronted them, and they admitted that they were wrong, and they confessed it in Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. And the people concluded by rejoicing. In verse 13, the Bible says, Amen. This is what the, the congregation said, Amen, and praise the Lord, and the people did according to his promise. You see, when sin is confessed, it refreshes the sinner and it encourages the church. Now, you don't have to confess your sin, your private sins one to another. You don't have to do that. You confess that to the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you wrong a brother, then you need to make it right. And when we're willing to do that, that helps us to stay strong in the work of God. You know, when there's sin, unconfessed sin in our lives, sometimes it just weighs us down. You know, the devil uses guilt against us, doesn't he? But I got some good news for you. You can get that handled. Jesus Christ, God's Son, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So strengthen your hands in the confession of sin. Then strengthen your hands in praise. Strengthen your hands in praise. I mean, there's nothing like coming together as God's people in a, in a difficult time and just singing praise to God and hearing other people talk about the goodness of the Lord and beginning uh, yourself to just glorify his name and to praise his name. The Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, let's just praise his name. Even when we don't feel like it, let's praise him. And then let me give you the last one. Strengthen your hands in service. Get engaged. Get to work. You'll be, you, you'll be amazed at what God will do within you. The Bible says in Nehemiah 4, 6, So built we the wall. In the midst of the opposition, when we're discouraged, when we're, when we're weary, so built we the wall. We just went back to work. We didn't quit. We didn't stop. We just continued building the wall. 
and all the wall was joined together under the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Let's just determine in our heart we're going to serve the Lord. And God will strengthen our hands for this good work. We've got an amazing opportunity before us, don't we? But it's not really an easy task, is it? God is going to have to do some miraculous things, but he's already done them, hasn't he? Do you think this is a challenge to him? I want you to know he's not nervous in the least. He doesn't have a bit of anxiety about this. And I want to encourage you that you don't need to be nervous about it either. This is God's work and God's church. And as we follow him, God will take care of us. He'll meet every need. There'll be twists and turns, bumps in the road. But as, as, as we follow God, God will see us. The opportunity is great. Think about what God will do. So may he stir our hearts. May he make us aware that the adversary is present. He's going to come after us. But may he also make us aware that he is mighty. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.